Our opening hymn is Before Thy Throne, O God, We Kneel. Send out your light and your truth that they may lead me and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Alleluia. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Psalm 123, to you I lift up my eyes, to you enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of servants look to the land of their masters, and the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he show us his mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy, for we have had more than enough of contempt. 
too much of the scorn of the indolent rich and of the derision of the proud. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. A reading from Judges 4. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth HaGoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops and I will give him into your hand. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. A reading from Paul to the Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and there will be no escape. But you beloved are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief for you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put our breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm -hmm. 
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward saying, master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, master, I know that you are a harsh man, reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I am still not used to Zoom church but it is wonderful to see all of your faces or the ones that I can see on the screen. And it's wonderful to be with you all this morning. So thank you all for the invitation. Um, and it's, a, it's an honor to be with you this morning. As we move toward Advent and the church calendar, our passages turn toward the end of the world. It's a familiar turn in the church year as we're invited to reflect on the conditions that brought Jesus into the world and I think, to reflect on the conditions we face now. The early parts of the New Testament were written during a time of great upheaval and change. The Roman Empire controlled most of what we now call the Middle East, North Africa, and Europe. And it is clear that the author of Matthew chafed at Roman rule. The text was likely written to Jewish Christians in exile in Antioch after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. With their homeland burned, 
their people in exile and enslaved in their own culture in turmoil and conflict. They were clearly looking for a path to be faithful to some future hope. Early Christianity before Constantine formed itself in relationship to this hope of a coming kingdom of God, a kingdom that they saw themselves building and participating in. Our text this morning is in the middle of a longer discourse of Jesus, telling his followers to faithfully await a coming kingdom that was different than the empires built by Rome, a kingdom built on love, compassion, faithfulness, and care for each other. Honestly, though, the passage we read today contains some disturbing imagery. As Jesus compares God to a slave master and to his followers as faithful slaves, it's clear that the purpose is to encourage followers of Jesus to remain faithful during uncertainty and chaos, but it is also presented in terms that are at odds with how Jesus often characterizes his overall mission. Perhaps this passage about the unfaithful slave illustrates just how hard it is to break away from the norms of the society that we live in, even when they're unjust. Just how difficult it is to imagine a different world built on compassion and care for each other. Perhaps it also reflects the desire of people who were slaves themselves to imagine having allegiance ultimately to God, to Jesus, subversively, even as they were forced to serve earthly masters. But as I think about this passage in relation to our work at Chaplains on the Harbor, I think about three things. First, the empires of the world are always at odds with Jesus's teaching. The readers of the Gospel of Matthew in the first century would have seen incredible trauma. They lived in the words of one Bible scholar, pillar to post between disaster and survival. They had witnessed the brutal destruction of an entire city. They had lost loved ones. Some of their family had been shipped off to Rome as slaves. They were survivors of intense and ongoing trauma. And their suffering was just not in the past. Scholars believe that Matthew's community was based in Antioch. Rodney Stark describes Antioch as a city filled with misery, danger, fear, despair, and hatred. A resident could expect literally to be homeless from time to time. So Matthew writes to a community in exile, a community both in the aftermath of trauma and on the edge of empire, a community marginalized in a city already rife with tension, disaster, oppression, and homelessness. It is no wonder that it is in Matthew's gospel, only a few paragraphs down from our passage today, that tells Jesus's followers to visit the sick and care for the prisoners and feed the hungry. If they were to build a better world, it would have to be a very different one from the one that they lived in then. Throughout history, as empires have been built by greed and lust for power, they have always been the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. They have always sought to impose their will on conquered subjects. They have always sought to exploit communities of any wealth they have. And it's sometimes hard for us to see that in our own world as we go about our everyday life, especially if we are people with a class or race, race privileges that mean we don't have to see it. In my community and the work that we do, the effects of our nat national and cultural obsession with money and domination are obvious. One in 16 people in Aberdeen, Washington are homeless. Just about half our county's population is on public assistance. 
We have 100% free and reduced lunch in schools because so many children live in conditions of abject poverty. 50% of black children in our district are homeless. And I could go on and on. Exactly one week ago, a young native man just my age, one of the sweetest people I have ever met, died in the cold. He had just lost his father who died in prison a few months ago. And when I got the call early Monday morning that he had been found and then sat with his weeping sister, the last living member of her family, I felt this numb sense of being caught in a meat grinder that just grinds up our people with unrelenting force. Gustavo Gutierrez defines oppression as early and unjust death. And every year, the number of people we bury who die of overdose or cold or lack of medical care or suicide seems to just go up. We too live in the constant presence of trauma, not, a, not unlike Matthew's community. We too feel the constant fear that we are watching the end of the world. People living on the street already face vigilante violence and the scorn of the community, but they live in fear that violence is going to escalate always. When we organized a vigil for people in our community who had died, for example, of police violence, and, and we organized it as well in support of Black Lives Matter, we were met with heavily armed counter protesters who followed us and threatened to shoot us. Well, thankfully they calmed down enough for us to finish our vigil, people continued to heckle us, shouting that the people who had died in our community deserved it. If all of that makes you feel discouraged, or if you are feeling uncertain and unstable in the wake of our national elections, or if you are feeling afraid for our future, there is a hopeful note in Jesus's words. Jesus predicts not simply the end of the world, but the end of empires. This matches with the historical reality. The empires of this world always fall, every time. Whether we're talking about the Roman Empire of Jesus's time, whose power did indeed wane and whose empire did indeed fall, or we're talking about the Holy Roman Empire that replaced it, or the Spanish Empire, or the British Empire, or the American Empire now, empires always fall. Now that might be small comfort to us as we watch some of our national institutions totter, but in the long view, oppression of other people can never last forever. Martin Luther King Jr. is famous for saying that the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. A pastor I know working on the US-Mexico border who was federally indicted in the 80s for providing shelter to migrants in his church told me in much more colorful language, the bastards never win in the end. During this pandemic, uh, I think many of us have turned to Netflix uh, and I found myself binge watching The Crown. What struck me most beyond all of the you know, drama that is the reason we watch shows like that is how it chronicles the fall of an empire, an empire built on the utter disregard of the humanity of its subjects on a drive for profit on the dehumanization of much of the world, and it simply crumbles. As people around the world demand self-determination, as communities demand the resources and power for their own healing. And that leads me to my final point. The empires of this world can be replaced, that justice is possible 
in the end. Always, communities demand what they need for healing and find it. Always, we find that God has indeed given us enough for everyone, if we only accept that and demand our fair share. In Grace Harbor County, we believe we are beginning this work. Even in the middle of so much death and suffering, we find life and hope and hope for a future. This January, we are projected to hire our next team of apprentices. For the past four years, we have grown from a staff of two to a staff of 15, and most of us have experienced incarceration, addiction, and homelessness. Our office now sits on 23 acres of farmland in the Chehalis River Valley, where we are growing food to help feed our people. I met Tracy, one of our staff members, about five years ago. She was living in a tent after being evicted from a home because the building was slated for demolition. And she helped start the first low barrier shelters in Grace Harbor, all while living in a tent. She showed up for people every single time, dedicated to making life a little better for her friends and her community. Today, she runs our Westport shelter full time through the winter from November through March and manages a team of five people in recovery and newly housed as they seek to help their community survive, seek to reduce the number of people who are found dead on the street. We have a greenhouse growing food over the winter and in the spring we will plant three acres and vegetables, both to sell to the wider community and to supply our feeding programs with fresh food. Our farm team shared with me how they're learning to reconnect with the earth and learning how things grow, how they're finding empowerment and a sense of accomplishment from nurturing growing things. Around us, even in all the bad news and the election anxiety and the signs of a crumbling empire, we are listening to the people around us, listening to the growing things. The Quinault Indian Nation is proposing to put in the first Medicaid accepting treatment center in downtown Aberdeen, as indigenous nations as always take the lead in our healing. So even as we bury our beloved dead, we find hope as empires crumble and as new things are built in their place. Luke's version of Jesus's discourse, the same discourse on the end of the world says this, when these things begin to take place, Stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We continue on page seven with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We continue on page eight. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church, that we all may be one. 
grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you, that your name may be glorified by all people. We pray for all <clears throat> bishops, priests, and deacons, that they may be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world, that there may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake, that our works may find favor in your sight. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble, especially the community that Reverend Sarah serves in Aberdeen. Um, the over 11 million people in the US who have suffered from COVID-19 and many of whom have ongoing problems. And in our own parish prayer list, <clears throat> Karen Blankenship, Jim Cameron, Niall Clark, Glenn Crosby, Florian Crosby, Deanna Glenn, Diane Goodman, Lorna Hamill, Bob Hayward, Hannah Hooper, Rosemary Howell, Peter Mackenheimer, Claire Parkinson, Pam Rhodes, Karen Rowley, Ron Smith, Vicki Smith, Don Snow, Lillianne Snow, William Victory, Julie Wiegand, and Peter Wiley, that they may be delivered from their distress. We commend to your mercy all who have died, especially the 245,000 people in the US who have died from COVID, including uh, 2,600 in King County. And in our own community, Edith Borgia, Esmeralda Borgia Armijos, Ruth Engel, and Keith Snow, that your will for them may be fulfilled. We pray that we may share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. And let us pray for our own needs and those of others. I invite you to 
add any prayers you'd like to be read out loud in the chat at this time. We pray for the life of Jim DeLance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our elders who are not allowed to see family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for the people of the Philippines who are recovering from a terrible typhoon. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the work and ministry of chaplains on the harbor, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all the things that we have read out loud and for all the things we keep in our hearts, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We continue in the bottom of page nine. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name, amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.